You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, may my words be your words so that we might see your Son, the Word made flesh. Amen. By tradition, there's not usually a sermon at a Lessons and Carols service. That's part of my reimagining our service. I just can't go without uh, proclaiming the Word. I think that there's something missing, but the, if we just depend on, on everything that's happened, uh, I want to make clear what all is going on here, and I've only got about 10 minutes uh, to do that, and I'm constitutionally incapable of speaking to you less than 15 minutes. So here we go. Uh, there are two broad dilemmas that I notice with Christmas. Um, you, you know, there are others to be sure, of course, but, but two of, that I pick up on that I want to address tonight, uh, the major ones for, for our times, either we sort of over-sentimentalize the, the nativity, focusing on Jesus Christ's babiness, you know, baby on board. We, you know, we, we idolize small children, don't we? Uh, in our society, so either we sort of over-sentimentalize the babiness of the nativity of Jesus Christ, uh, or, on the other hand, secondly, uh, we dismiss the whole story altogether, it, uh, just out of hand. It's too fantastic uh, for, for God to be born of a virgin, too miraculous. Uh, and uh, the, the fancy theological word that we use to describe this event is incarnation incarnation the incarnation of the word of god is a central doctrine of the church that's my big sort of ten dollar word for you tonight okay that's the only one so put that in your pipe and smoke it incarnation okay and the incarnation of the word of god uh, is uh, is isn't just some spiritual assumption like other systems like so many other systems in our world that are merely spiritual assumptions but the incarnation of the Word of God is a historic claim about something that happened in and to the world, in and to humanity, as a matter of fact. Incarnation basically means, uh, in plain English, enfleshment. Enfleshment. I wrote an adventure cover letter, uh, uh, I'm sorry, church newsletter um, several months ago when we were releasing our new church's vision. And I said, now it's time for us to enflesh our new vision. And, and one of you who's here tonight said, I've never heard that word before. Well, incarnation, that's what it means. Maybe I made it up, but I didn't. Incarnation, enflesh, that's what I was talking about. Uh, this is what the incarnation is about, the enfleshment of the word of God. And here is the historic claim of the Incarnation. And by the way, you can research this. I mean, you can go look online, better yet, buy some books. You can research all that I'm about to say. Like I said, not just a mere spiritual assumption, a flight of fancy, not a fairy tale that is uh, 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 never and always, uh, uh, nowhere and everywhere. You know, that's a fairy tale. But instead, this is what I'm talking about. This is the historic claim of the Incarnation. Okay, are you ready? At a particular place, a backwater suburb of a backwater part of the world, Bethlehem, a suburb of Jerusalem. Are you kidding me? 
on a particular date. I mean, did you see the reading from uh, the gospel text? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration of Quirinius was governor of Syria. I mean, these two guys, you can look up on Wikipedia. They existed. Caesar Augustus, who lived about 63 B.C. to 14 A.D., on that particular date, in a particular place, God became a zygote in the uterus of a particular young Jewish girl. He was born an ethnically Arab Jewish boy, probably with dark skin complexion, probably with dark brown eyes, and probably with thick, dark hair. And he would grow up into manhood, meaning all the stages of maturity, redeeming even puberty, okay? All the stages of life, from zygote to the final breath on the cross of death. And he was the Christ, the long-expected Jewish Messiah, the redeemer of the whole world, not just Israel. At the beginning of uh, his first epistle, the Apostle John, the same author of the, the, the gospel, according to John, he also wrote some epistles. His first epistle, John, uh, 1 John, not to be confused with John 1, but 1 John chapter 1, he writes this about the incarnate word. This is a man who walked around with Jesus Christ. And as I said, I've only got 10 minutes. There's more that I can say, but here's just one piece of evidence, Okay. Here's a guy who spent time with the incarnate word, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. Concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. The authors of the New Testament bore witness to the incarnation so that our joy might be complete. Here lies the, the implications of the incarnation. Our joy is not found in sentimentality. That can be uh, nice and warm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to go to England during Christmas to experience the sort of Dickens feel. I love all that sentimentality. Don't get me wrong. It can be great, but it's incomplete at least, or it's a distortion of the message at worst. And neither is our joy ultimately found in all the other narratives of the world in which we put false hope. Rather, our joy is founded in a verifiable and observed experience of particular people in history that Jesus Christ was born, and he was born for you. He was born for you to redeem sinners. The God of eternity came into time and space, and because of his full life, from zygote to final breath, and because of his cross, and because of his resurrection, our joy and confidence is complete. Again, I say to you that Jesus Christ was born for you, both 100% true man and 100% deity, true God. He was Yahweh and humanity, and he did it for you. 
Now, in this past year, if you've been around the Advent, we've been quoting Martin Luther. It's the end of the year. It's my last one that I'm going to get in, and I'll take a break for a year, okay? Martin Luther, who was a pastor in the 16th century and a theologian, loved Christmas. You can buy a book uh, of his Christmas sermons called Martin Luther's Christmas Book. This was edited, I think, in the 1940s by a professor at Yale named Roland Baton. It's so sweet. Pick it up. You can buy it on Amazon. Here's an excerpt from one sermon from Martin Luther that that explains much more poetically all that I've tried to say and all that we've uh, tried to sing about and listen to in Scripture and pray about tonight. Let us then meditate upon the nativity, just as we see it happening in our own babies. I would not have you contemplate the deity of Christ, the majesty of Christ, but rather his flesh, Look upon the baby Jesus. Divinity may terrify man. Inexpressible majesty will crush him. That is why Christ took on our humanity, save for sin, that he should not terrify us, but rather that with love and favor he should console and confirm. Behold Christ lying in the lap of his young mother, still a virgin. What can be sweeter than the babe? What more lovely than the mother? What fairer than her youth? What more gracious than her virginity? Look at the child, knowing nothing, yet all that is belongs to him, that your conscience should not fear, but take comfort in him. Doubt nothing. Watch him springing in the lap of the maiden. Laugh with him. Look upon this Lord of peace, and your spirit will be at peace. See how God invites you in many ways. He places before you a babe with whom you may take refuge. You cannot fear him, for nothing is more appealing to man than a babe. Are you affrighted? Then come to him, lying in the lap of the fairest and sweetest maid. You will see how great is the divine goodness, which seeks above all else that you should not despair. Trust him. Trust him. Here is the child in whom is salvation. To me, there is no greater consolation given to mankind than this, that Christ became man, a child, a babe, playing in the lap at the breast of his most gracious mother, who is there whom, who is there whom this sight would not comfort. Now is overcome the power of sin, death, hell, conscience, and guilt, if you come to this gurgling babe and believe that he is come, not to judge you, but to save And so, again, I say, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, the incarnate Word, was born for you. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.